keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And good morning to you. This is Adrian Fonseca, your host. Today is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023, the Feast of St. Ivo of Chartres. St. Ivo of Chartres, a courageous and logical bishop, lived during a time of turmoil in France. When King Philip I sought to divorce his legitimate wife and marry another woman, he turned to St. Ivo for support, citing the alleged approval of a tribunal of bishops. However, St. Ivo firmly refused, stating that his conscience and reputation as a bishop prevented him from endorsing such an action. He even compared the king's adultery to that of Herod and the Herodias, emphasizing the need to defend the church. As the drama unfolded, St. Ivo intervened at every critical moment, writing to the king and a hesitant legate, urging them to follow the teachings of the church. Despite pressures and summons, he remained steadfast in his refusal to participate in the illegitimate marriage. His logical spirit and unwavering dedication to the faith serve as powerful lessons for us today. We should strive for coherence and logic in our beliefs, and we should admire and support bishops who embody these qualities, for they contribute to the beauty and strength of the church. St. Ivo of Chartres, pray, pray for, for us. us. Praise be to God. Today is, in fact, Tuesday, May 23rd. Praise be to God. I'm so glad to be here today. I know that it's a going to be a great day. It's a beautiful day on to be here in Catholic Radio. Uh, but joining us is our producer, Tito Edwards. Good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Adrian. I, uh, I'm doing okay. I uh, took uh, yesterday off due to an emergency with a family member, my mother. She has Alzheimer's, and uh, she got some water in the lungs, and she's recuperated enough that she's out of ICU, but she's going to be receiving palliative care nonetheless. I would appreciate it if everyone would pray for my mother. Uh, I, I don't believe she has more than a few days or weeks left uh, to live. She's lived a good life, and uh, she certainly, we're, we're uncertain as to where things may lead, so please, uh, if I, you could put my mother's name in your prayers, her name is Hortensia, that would be awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Praise be to God. And uh, your mother, uh, how old is she? Do you know? 83 years old. 83 years yes, old. Yes, they, they, they wow. tend to live really, on my mother's side, they tend to live in their 90s. So th- th- she's been 12, 10, 10, 11 years with Alzheimer's. So, no, scratch that, 14. And wow. so uh, she's, she's at the end, but uh, she, I, I didn't know she was going to survive. And it was a miracle that last week her, her, she started to improve. And only Sunday afternoon did they finally remove her from ICU and, and put, her, put her in a, in a temporary uh, location inside the hospital to set her up for palliative care. Mm. Well, there you go. Well, we definitely be praying for, for that um, and for your mother. That's a, uh, a very wonderful thing that she lived a long life uh but always a very sad thing to see the end of life um at 15 past the hour we're going to be talking about the tampa drag queen event that it was canceled after desantis signs a new law protecting children so some good news 
And then immediately after, I'm going to share with you some bad news. Dodgers reinvites the queer and trans nuns troop with an apology. Who are they apologizing to? Are they Catholics? No, of course not. They're apologizing to the trannies. Uh, at 30 past the hour, a new relativism with Carlo Broussard with Catholic Answers. We're going to be talking about that at 30 past the hour. In the next hour, we're going to be talking about beauty. What does it mean for something to be beautiful. Plus, as always, we have our Fear and Trembling game show where prizes are involved. So all this is coming up in the show today. You're not going to want to miss one moment of it because it's going to be action-packed. It's whew, so much going on. So let's begin in prayer, as is our custom. We'll be praying for your intentions, whatever it is that you have going on in your life We'll be praying for that, for our friends, our family, our benefactors, all those that we promise to pray for. We're praying for those intentions and everything else. And in a special way, we want to pray for Tito and Tito's family and Tito's mother, that she have a good and holy death. Uh, all these intentions, we pray. We bring it to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and we lay it at her feet. We pray the Subtum Presidium, an ancient third century prayer dedicated to the Blessed Virgin. So let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Subtuum presidium confugimus sancta dei genitrix, nostra deprecationes ne despicias in necitatibus, sera periculis quintis libra no semper virgo gloriosa et benedicta. We fly to thy protection, O holy mother of God. Despise not our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed virgin. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Thank you, Adrian. Today is, good morning. Today is uh, Tuesday, May 23rd, Anno Domini 2023. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Catholic News Agency is reporting the L.A. Dodgers reverse course will honor anti-Catholic drag group at a Pride Night game. Catholic leaders reacted with disgust Monday night after the L.A. Dodgers re-invited the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to be an honoree at the team's Pride Night game on June 16, despite the drag group's mockery of the Catholic faith. When did mocking Catholic nuns become America's pastime? The Catholic advocacy, advocacy group Catholic Vote tweeted, Shamefully, but not surprisingly, the Dodgers have been bullied into apologizing to and reinviting a group of anti-Catholic bigots, tweeted Senator Marco Rubio of Florida, who wrote a letter to Major League Baseball Commissioner Robert Manfred protesting the Dodgers' original inv invitation. Today, our great country is controlled by social political ruling elites who don't just tolerate anti-Christian bigotry, they encourage it. Major League Baseball announced on May 4th that the Dodgers plan to honor the L.A. chapter of the Sisters of Indulgence. But the team reversed course on May 17th after complaints from Catholic leaders and advocacy groups. Nonetheless, they're back. Zenit is reporting the world's largest Eucharistic procession is held in the U.S. The four processions will form a gigantic cross on the map of the U.S. all the way to Indianapolis, perhaps the greatest Eucharistic pilgrimage in history. Four processions with the most blessed sacrament will begin on May 19th, 2024 and go across the U.S. to our to arrive together on June 16 in Indianapolis, where the National Eucharistic Congress will be held. Catholic News Agency is reporting the Catholic Church is one step closer to canonizing a surfing saint. Pope Francis recognized the heroic virtue of Brazil's surfer angel Guido Schaefer in a decree issued by the Congregation for the Causes of Saints on Saturday. Schaefer was a seminarian, a doctor, and a surfer who drowned while surfing in 2009 off the coast of Rio de Janeiro at the age of 34. 
before he could fulfill his desire of being ordained to the priesthood. And finally, LiveSide is reporting Fox News policies allow gender transitioning use of opposite-sex bathrooms. Employees of Fox News may reportedly choose bathrooms based on their gender identity and get time off for mutilating transgender for, gen, for mutilating transgender surgeries. Co-workers must use the name and pronouns that their gender-confused colleagues wishes. Fox News' corporate policies surrounding radical gender ideology are just as woke as those of left-wing businesses and media organizations, according to the whistleblowers who spoke with the Daily Signal on Monday. Those were your headlines this morning. God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 17, verses 1 through 11. Thus Jesus spoke to them, and then lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the time has come. Give glory now to thy Son, that thy Son may give thee glory to thee. Thou hast put him in authority over all mankind to bring eternal life to all those that hast entrusted to him. Eternal life is knowing thee, who art the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have exalted thy glory on earth by achieving the task which thou gavest me to do. Now, Father, do thou exalt me at thy own side, in that glory which I had with thee before the world began. I have made thy name known to the men whom thou hast entrusted to me, chosen out of the world. They belong to thee and have become mine through the gift. And they that have true to thy word, they have kept true to thy word. Now they have learned to recognize all the gifts thou gavest to me as coming from thee. I have given them the message which thou gavest to me, and they, receiving it, recognized it for truth. And I came from thee, and found faith to believe that it was thou who didst send me. It is for these I pray. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom thou hast entrusted to me. They belong to thee. As all I have is as all I have is thine, and all that thou hast is mine, and in them my glory is achieved. I am remaining in the world no longer, but they remain in the world, while I am on my way to thee. Holy Father, keep them true to thy name, thy gift to me, that they may be one as we are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The commentary today from Cornelius Lapide, he had a lot to say on the passage from today. And a number of things that I think is very interesting is the fact that in this passage, there is just a ton going on, a ton going on. So we're only going to be able to comment on maybe just verse one. Maybe we'll get to another verse. But here he says, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, thy, that thy son also may glorify thee. These are the last words of Christ when going to his passion. And like the dying notes of the swan are full of sweetness, love, and warmth. He teaches us, one, when trouble is pressing on to have recourse to prayer and to ask God for strength to overcome it. Two, that fathers, both earthly and spiritual, should, when going away or dying, commend their children to God in prayer. Three, that preachers should study their discourses so as to obtain both such power of speech as to move the hearts of their hearers and so as to gain acceptance with them that they may understand what they hear and lovingly carry it out in their lives. 
but no vain waste of words may have a place. Now, what are these three things? One, when trouble is occurring, have recourse to prayer. Two, fathers, both spiritually and earthly fathers, need to commend their children to prayer. And three, that preachers should study in their discourse in order to obtain the speech to move hearts. Now, here he goes, lifted up his eyes to teach us. Why did he bring this up? To teach us by using the same gesture to lift up our hearts to God. So that's why we should we look up when we pray. Glorify thy son. But what glory and glorification does Christ here ask for? And now he lists a number of things. I'm only going to read to you the third one here. He says more correctly and to the point, this glory was the manifestation of Christ to be the son of God. This was the end and scope of his incarnation, as he explains the next verse. Verse, And so its meaning is, Thou hast sent thy Son into the world to redeem it. My passion whereby many will be offended and fall from me is at hand. I pray thee, O Father, to glorify me, that men may not contemn and despise me for, thy, for my death on the cross, but may acknowledge me as thy Son. And very God, and thereby obtain grace, righteousness, and salvation. Christ asks that this purpose of God may be manifested to the world to the end that his mighty work may attain its end and object. Glorify me by thy miracles, the earthquake, the rending of the veil, the opening of the tombs, by my speedy resurrection, by my ascension, the conversion of the whole world, that all may recognize me as God and the Savior of the world. Now, the last thing we're going to be able to note here is the praying here. In verse 9, it says, I pray for them that thou wouldst make them grow in the knowledge and love of thee and me. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and hence heretics in the time of St. Augustine, making a wrong use of this writing, taught that Christ prayed only for the predestinate, and that they, therefore, whatever sins they committed could not hurt them. You never heard of once saved, always saved. And that no good works could be of avail for the reprobate. This heresy was renewed by John Huss and Martin Luther. But scripture teaches us that Christ was born and died for all men, even the reprobate, or rather for those who would be reprobate on account of their sins. Because Christ, for his, for his part provided all men with the necessary means for salvation. His sacraments are constituted for all. His apostles sent to all. He offers his teachings to all. So what does that mean? That means he has given us the sacraments, and if we keep to those sacraments and we stay faithful, we can be saved. We'll be right back with more. Hey, Donnie, what are the four Gospels in the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And who baptized Jesus? St. John the Baptist. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that the world associates fanaticism with religion? But G.K. Chesterton says that the strangest fanaticism that fills our time is the fanatical hatred of morality, especially of Christian morality. 
It is the irreligious who are fanatical in their hatred of religion. They hate religion because religion is the only basis for morality. They hate morality because it is clear. And they prefer things to be vague, vague to the point where they can call wrongs rights. But we cannot call something a right when it defies God's laws. We can only call it a sin because all rights come from God and God is not going to break his own laws. Neither should we. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. So many stories I want to get to. We probably will only get to two. So, should we start with the good news or the bad news? Hmm. I'm, I'm thinking, uh, Tito, what do you think? Good news or bad news? I always like to start with the bad and finish with the good. All right, let's do that then. Let's start with the bad news. The bad news is Dodgers reinvite queer and trans nuns troop with an apology. This is uh, by the Daily Wire, published, uh, written by Daniel Chatin, or that's how you pronounce the name, I have no idea. The article says, the Los Angeles Dodgers are back to welcoming a drag troupe of, quote, queer and trans nuns to their annual Pride Night celebration at a home game in June. And they threw in an apology. Less than a week after disinviting the, quote, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, a move which pleased offended Catholics, but upset LGBT organizations, the Major League Baseball team announced on Monday that it had reconsidered that decision. It's just flip-flopping back and forth. After much thoughtful feedback from our diverse communities, honest conversations with the L.A. Dodgers organization, and generous discussions with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, the L.A. Dodgers would like to offer our sincerest apologies to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, members of the LGBTQ community, and their friends and families, the Dodgers said in a statement. Remember when they issued their apology uh, last, uh, what, Friday? And everybody was like, oh, look, at this great. They made an apology. And remember I pointed out that they, it was a non-apology? Correct. They were, just came out, and all they said was, oh, I'm sorry you were offended. And I was pointing that out, and a couple people were like, well, you know, we got to take the victories. This is why we have to seek total victory. The LGBTQ community, these people do not take small victories. They want total victory, and this is why they win and we lose. Because they will not settle for anything but total victory. They demanded an apology, and what did they get? They got our sincerest apologies to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, members of the LGBTQ community, and their friends and families. This is the, the response that they get. So what does that mean? That means the L.A. Dodgers does not want your business. The MLB does not want your business. They do not want Catholics involved. They want the perverse crowd of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer plus community to be their target audience. So I say we give them what they want. They said that they wanted that. Well, ask and you shall receive. So we let's give them what they want and stop giving them our business. The article continues. We have asked the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to take their place on the field as our 10th annual LGBTQ plus Pride Night on June 16th, the team added. 
We are here. Listen to this. We are pleased to share that they have agreed to receive the gratitude of our collective communities for the, quote, life-saving work that they have done tirelessly for decades. The announcement marks another turnaround for the Dodgers regarding the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which calls itself the leading-edge order of queer and trans nuns in San Francisco and has a chapter in L.A. In a statement last week, the team said it decided to disinvite the Sister of Perpetual Indulgence, which had been slated to receive a Community Hero Award because of the, quote, strong feelings of people who have been offended by the Sisters' inclusion in our evening in an effort not to distract from the great benefits that we've seen over the years of pride. Catholic organizations have been pushing for the team to pull the invitation, saying that the group of drag queens who dress up as nuns are an insult to their faith. Senator Marco Rubio had even written to the MLB commissioner, Rob Manfred, questioning how the league could be inclusive and welcoming to Christians while they have a team honor a group that mocks Christians through diabolical parodies of our faith. The Sister of Petrol Indulgence, which claims not to be anti-Catholic, says its members use humor and irreverent wit to expose the forces of bigotry, complacency, and guilt that chain the human spirit while promoting human rights and diversity. Groups such as L.A. Pride, which produces the annual L.A. Pride Parade and Festival, and Los Angeles LGBT Center declared they would skip Pride Night in protest of Sisters of Petrol Indulgence being disinvited. Over the weekend, Anaheim Mayor Ashley Acton invited the Sisters of Petrol Indulgence to join her for a Pride Night being held by the Anaheim Angels. In the weeks ahead, we will continue to work with our LGBTQ partners to better educate ourselves, find ways to strengthen the ties that bind and use our platform to support all of our fans who made up the diversity of the Dodgers family, the Dodgers said in a statement on Monday. Well, there you go, guys. There you go. They want the LGBT people. They are more afraid that the L.A. LGBT Los Angeles Center a crowd would not show up than they are that Catholics will not show up. What if every Catholic in L.A., every Catholic in California decided we will not support this? We will return our tickets. We will demand refunds. We will not buy season tickets. All these things we are going to reject wholly and entirely the MLB until an apology is made. How come 2% of the population, 2% of the population is able to carry such influence, such sway? Because we do nothing. So why are we not fighting against this? Where, where's Arch, Archbishop Gomez? Where are the Catholic baseball players? Why aren't they raising their voices? What's, <clears throat> what's going on in Los Angeles? I, I guess it's courageous not to say anything. Yeah, it's a very disgusting thing that we see, and we have to stand up against it. If we do not, then we are no better. <laughs> God will chew up and spew from his mouth a lukewarm. Be ye hot or cold, for Christ will spit, will spew from his mouth, will vomit from his mouth the lukewarm. You are either with me or you are against me. That's with the words of our Lord. If you are not with me, then you are against me. You cannot serve both God and mammon. So who are you going to serve? Who are you going to stand up against? Are you going to stand up against Christ? 
Because if you don't stand up against this wicked ideology, these blasphemies against our Lord and his religious, if you don't stand up against this, then you are against God. You have to be necessarily to stay silent in, in front of such evil and wickedness. Then you are against God. That's as simple as that. And so we have to be courageous. And maybe that means we have to uh, sacrifice watching our favorite sports team. Maybe that means we have to protest a sport that we enjoy watching. But it's a small price to pay for the dignity and the love of God. So switching over from horrible news to a little bit of good news. LifeSite reports Tampa Drag Queen event is canceled after DeSantis signs new law protecting children. I think it's hilarious how they cancel. They say, hey, no sexual performances in front of kids. And the drag queens are all come out and they're like, oh, now we have to cancel all of our events. It's like, wait a second. I thought y'all weren't trying to indoctrinate children. Hmm. How does that work? Because Ron DeSantis did not ban drag queens. He did not ban drag shows. He just doesn't let minors be involved. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. hmm. Very interesting. So it goes on. A large drag queen and pride celebration planned for September has been canceled by organizers due to, quote, fears it would violate the state's new anti-lewdness laws. Oh, God forbid we have anti-lewdness laws. Oh, my goodness. This is the second LGBT event canceled because the organizers could not, quote, could not guarantee children would be protected from inappropriate sexual content. This is very concerning. It should be concerning to you. It's uh, good news that this is being canceled. But what does it tell you about these other drag queen shows all across America? They could not guarantee that children would be protected from inappropriate sexual content. Hmm. Governor Ron DeSantis signed legislation on May 17th that authorizes the state's business regulators to fine, suspend, or revoke the license of any public lodging establishment or public food service establishment that admits a child to an adult live performance. We're protecting kids, Governor DeSantis said when he signed the legislation, and we're going to protect kids when it's popular. We'll protect kids even when you take some incoming as a result of maybe offending some ideologies or some agendas out there, but that's fine. Way to go, Governor Santos. This is the kind of backbone we need. He says, adult live performances refer to any show, exhibition, or other presentation in front of a live audience that depicts or simulates nudity, sexual conduct, sexual excitement, or other sexual activities listed in that state code. These reasonable limits to protect the innocence of children pose a problem with the Tampa Pride event, however, which could not guarantee minors would not be exposed to sexual deviance at the massive gathering of drag queens this upcoming September. The Tampa Pride president, Carrie West, said drag queens perform in the open at the festival, which would be a violation of the new law. According to WFLA.com, the local news outlet reported that 15,000 to 20,000 people were expected to attend at Port St. Lucia pride parade also canceled a prior to the bill's signing, but in anticipation of the law going into effect. Now this is going, the article goes on explaining further, but this is good news. This is something that we should be pushing in every state in America. It's a very simple law. It's not even, it should not even be controversial. 
because you're not saying, oh, okay, adults can do what they want, so the libertarians should even get behind this and say, look, I'm not saying that we're going to ban drag queens, which, I mean, we should do, but just we can wait for We can wait on that. We're not going to ban drag shows. We're not going to ban. We're not going to stop adults from doing what they want. All we're going to start off doing is let's prevent children from being sexually assaulted. That's all. That's all we're going to do. That's a good first step. So let's push for this in every state. And what does it tell you that as soon as any kind of restrictions happen and the protection of children, these shows start shutting down? So let's look at that when it comes up to the next month, the month of June, the month that they try to claim as their own, but they try to claim as the perversion month. So during the month of perversion, let's raise up the sacred heart of Jesus instead, and let's try to protect our children. Let's try to recognize and point out that these perversions are wicked and evil, and we should fight against them on every turn. We cannot see the ground, not just, not even for a moment. So this is very, very concerning situation that we're going to see all across America upcoming in just a few days. But let's be encouraged by the small victory we got in Florida. But let's also not put our heads down because every time we win a battle, people start to rejoice and they start to pretend that they've won. But remember, winning a battle does not mean you win the war. A great example of that is the Dodgers situation. We won a battle, but then we lost another battle immediately after. So what will we do? Will we turn over, bury our heads in the sand, give up? Or will we rise up? Will we stand? Will we fight for Christ the King? Will we shout with our ancestors, Viva Cristo Rey, Viva la Virgen de Guadalupe? We'll be right back with more. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Since you may not agree that the New Testament came to us through the oral tradition of the apostles, how do you believe it did come to us? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a language aid. In Latin, the word tradition is a verb, not a noun. It's the act of handing over. Handing over what? Handing over the faith. You see, capital T tradition continues to answer the questions the Bible doesn't explicitly answer. For example, you've noticed that contraception or doctor-assisted suicide and many other crucial human topics are not laid out in the Bible. Secondly, analogous to baseball, the totality of baseball has been handed on to each generation. This is very different than just the small t tradition of saying not flipping the bat after hitting a home run. And thirdly, in case you're trying to rid church traditions to be non-traditional, just know that capital T tradition is what got you to Jesus. Drop kicking small religious traditions to be considered non-traditional is like the dog chasing his tail. His task is never fruitless and thoroughly silly. Catholic Radio gives us something all day, every day, to fill our lives with our faith. We are completely inundated by the world constantly. Every time you go out shopping, the music that's playing, the the visuals that you see, TV, everything, we need Catholicism filling our minds. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023 in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines for today. Catholic News Agency is reporting a miracle in Missouri. 
body of Benedictine sisters foundress thought to be incorrupt. Hundreds of pilgrims have descended on a Benedictine monastery for religious sisters in rural Missouri in recent days after news began to spread on social media last week that the recently exhumed remains of the contemplative order's African-American foundress appeared to be incorrupt four years after her death and burial in a simple wooden coffin. Sister Wilhelmina Lancaster OSB founded the Benedictine Sisters of Mary, Queen of the Apostles, best known for their chart-topping Gregorian chant and classic Catholic hymn albums. She founded it in 1995 at the age of 70, leaving the Oblate Sisters of Providence, her community of over 50 years to do so. Known, to, known for her devotion to the TLM and her faithfulness to Benedictine contemplation and the Liturgy of the Hours, she died at the age of 95. CatholicCulture.org and Fides is reporting another priest is kidnapped in Nigeria. Father Kingsley Maduka was abducted on May 19th while visiting a new chapel in a village of the Okigwe Diocese. He is the sixth Catholic priest kidnapped since 2021 in the diocese alone. The kidnapping of priests has become increasingly frequent in Nigeria, despite the announced policy of church officials that they will not pay ransoms. CatholicCulture.org is reporting Pope Francis has chosen Cardinal Matteo Zuppi of Bologna to carry out a, spe a special peace mission visiting Moscow and Kiev, the Vatican has confirmed. Matteo Bruni, the director of the Vatican Press Office, announced that Cardinal Zuppi's mission aims for an easing of tensions in the Ukraine conflict in the hopes that this can initiate paths of peace. And finally, CatholicCulture.org is reporting in an opinion written in a case involved in the end of the COVID emergency lockdown, Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch said that the Americans have seen the greatest intrusions on civil liberties in the peacetime history of this country. Executive officials across the country issued emergency decrees on a breathtaking scale, Justice Gorsuch wrote. They shuttered businesses and schools, public and private. They closed churches, even as, the, even as they allowed casinos and other favorite businesses to carry on. They threatened violators not just with civil penalties, but criminal sanctions, too. They surveyed church parking lots, recorded license plates, and issued notices warning that attendance at even outdoor services satisfying all state social distancing and hygiene requirements could amount to criminal conduct. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now is Carlo Broussard, a native of southern Louisiana, and a, left a promising musical career to devote himself full-time to the work of Catholic apologetics. He holds a undergraduate and graduate degrees in theology from Catholic Distance University in the Augustan Institute, as well as a master's in philosophy from Holy Apostles College and Seminary. And we're at this point of the discussion today. He's the author of many books, but the one that's relevant for today is uh, The New Relativism, Unmasking the Philosophy of Today's, today's Woke Moralist. Good morning to you, uh, Mr. Broussard. Hey, good morning. Thanks uh, for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. It's good to have you on. And, you know, it's very interesting to me, the, the title of your book, The New Relativism, the topic seemed very interesting whenever I first heard about it because I was thinking to myself, the new relativism. It seems as though that today is the exact opposite, that everyone is a moral right. absolutist. They're just saying, hey, Carlo, you have to believe that white people are all racist and that black people can never be racist. 
and that the world, the whole country is gender ideology. Men can be women. Women can be men. And if you present any sort of differing opinion, it's no longer your truth, my truth. No, buddy, you got to get in line. So how did you come to this idea of the new relativism? Yeah, that was a great way of putting it, Adrian. That's exactly right. How in the world can we be living in a culture of relativism when our culture is marked by the shame culture? We live in a culture of moral indignation towards those who do not conform to the common narratives that are portrayed and the demands uh, that are made of us, that we shall not say he for the biological male that has the inner sense or feeling or gender identity of a woman, uh, Leah Thomas, Bruce Jenner being examples. So how can there be relativism? Well, what I discovered, Adrian, as I started scratching the surface just a bit and unspinning the spin, the modern spin on these modern absolutes, I discovered that relativism is lurking behind the veil. So take the example of critical race theory. You just said, hey, white people are inherently racist, so it's said, and black people cannot be racist. That's an essential claim of what is known as critical race theory. Well, another essential claim of critical race theory is that to say there is objective truth is an earmarker or a characteristic of white supremacy. And I give examples in my book of where this is found in the culture. But I don't know about you, brother, but if, this, if, if it's bad to say there's objective truth and we're somehow bad guys for doing that, that smacks of relativism uh, of the total kind we say in philosophy, total relativism referring to there is no absolute truth whatsoever, regardless of what we're talking about, as opposed to, say, partial relativism in the areas of, say, morality or religion. So this is a version of total relativism that's embedded within critical race theory. And the central claim of critical race theory is that objectivity is the ideologue of racism. So to say there is objectivity, to say there is objective truth, you're somehow automatically a white supremacist. And here, we can go even further, Adrian, with regard to critical race theory. The idea, one of the essential claims, is that whenever there is racial inequity, that is, a disproportionate representation of ethnicities within, say, an institution, that automatically is racism. And if you try to show that it's not, that the disproportion of ethnicities represented is not due to racism but due to some other factor, you're a racist for doing that. And so notice how it is sheer fiat that racial inequity equals or is racism. And no, uh, no persuasion of the mind, no alternative explanation is allowed. That smacks of relativism as well, because within the mental framework of relativism, there can be no persuasion of mind. There really is, logically speaking, no truth of yours. It's only conformity to mine. And that's exactly what we're seeing in critical race theory, a sheer assertion of will and no persuasion of mind going on. And this also is prevalent in all the other, many of the other modern moral commands. Yeah, it is very interesting you say that uh, the because there's the classic uh, joke about relativism. It's it's like oh you're are you absolutely sure that there is no absolute truth? 
that absolutely right. true? And that kind of joke is there, but it says uh, it says a lot, though, because we see that to be the case. And they say there's no absolute truth. But then, like you just said, there's there's might makes right because we right. say and we were just talking about the L.A. Dodgers a second ago and how mm. they they cave into to the Catholics. They say, oh, oh we're, we're we totally are sorry. We didn't mean to do this. And then immediately flip back the other direction. It's like, oh, no, no, we're sorry to the LGBT community. We did not mean to do this. And it just seems that they everyone's just scared. They just want to do with right. whatever, whoever has the most power. Uh, what say you about that, uh, Carlo Broussard? Yeah, no, it's true. We're dealing with the wicked offspring in our culture of the old relativism, where relativism was in your face. You have your truth. I have mine. There's no absolute truth. We agree to disagree. But now we're dealing with the offspring of that because we've gone so long of um, gutting our mental framework and our reality of objective truth. Now what are we left with? we're left with the logical consequence of the might makes right because persuasion of the mind is no longer on the table. And so now it is sheer force of will and whoever has the most power, whoever has the loudest voice wins the day because there is no allowance for argumentation. This also touches on one of the chapters in the book, the new relativism, thou shall not misinform, right? So uh, many examples I, I explain in the book where People try to offer an alternative explanation of the common cultural narrative, particularly with COVID-19 issues, and they are canceled. They are shut down, and no persuasion of the mind is allowed, and only conformity to the powers that be who control the narrative are demanded. And so what I do in the book, Adrian, is I'm exposing the relativism of the modern absolutism, whereas a book not too long ago, I would have been writing a book to expose the absolutism of relativism, as you pointed out earlier, trying to show that relativism is basically just a claim about objective reality. It's absolutism in disguise. This book is exposing the relativism of the new moral absolutism, showing that uh, the new moral absolutism thy shall not be a white supremacist, thy shall not say he or she, and on down the line, is actually just a disguise for relativism. So contrary to the claim that relativism is dead and passe and old news and we need to get on with our lives, I argue in my book relativism is alive and well, and Adrian, what's new about it is even more sinister because it's hidden. It's lurking behind these modern absolutes, which Mm -hmm. people on face value – with a traditional spin, would say, yeah, I don't want to be a white supremacist. White For supremacy sure. is that. Absolutely. Uh, we'll have to hold that right there. We're going about to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to pick up there. Actually, I want to focus in on something you mentioned about COVID-19 and that narrative. Uh, it's a very interesting situation. Plus, uh, also, I might want to get into some classic uh, relativism arguments because it just drives me nuts when people are like, oh, that's just your opinion, man. Man, that gets on my nerves. Yeah. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. The book of Esther does not mention the words God, Lord, sin, Savior, salvation, heaven, or hell. Are you sure it's supposed to be in the Bible? Martin Luther said no. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a promise. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth. Those early church fathers, popes, bishops, synods, and councils were all under the influence of the Holy Spirit as they discerned which writing should or should not be in the Bible, and Esther was included. Secondly, for a writing to be 
be understood as divinely inspired and worthy of canonicity, it was not a necessity to contain any theological explanations. And thirdly, a tough comeback. Oftentimes, we deceive ourselves by wanting to trust that very contemporary and subjective term called the inner witness. Our own arrogance can blind us. The feeling of, quote, an inner witness is as dangerous as standing at the edge of a windy, jagged cliff. So on a religious feeling, don't just immediately buy into passionate testimonies, new truths, or prophetic texts. That four-letter word, feel, will get you every time. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? Original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It's always good to be here on Catholic Radio. Joining us right now is Carlo Broussard, a apologist with Catholic Answers. His new book, The New Relativism, Unmasking the Philosophy of Today's Woke Moralist. Before we went to break, we were talking about a number of things, but one thing that I wanted to focus in on was a topic of the COVID-19 narrative. Because this got us in a lot of trouble over in the Catholic Drive Time team. We've got uh, suspended on on YouTube several times. We've got in uh, mm-hmm. all sorts of things on Facebook and everything. And we recently got kicked off of YouTube for a week from a video from three years ago. They they pulled an old video from three years ago and kicked us off because I guess they missed it three years ago. They're like, nope, we found it now. And so these <laughs> things happen. And the crazy thing is they call us anti-science Yet, yeah. we all we did was interview scientists to talk about these issues. And so somehow Absolutely. there is this idea that you have to cling to the correct narrative. And yet, yeah. they, what happened to your truth, my truth? It doesn't seem to exist anymore. So explain this to me, uh, Mr. Broussard. Yeah, so what I argue in my book, Adrian, is that this anti-science bias claim is an example of what we call cultural relativism, right? So cultural relativism, good old-fashioned cultural relativism, says there's no truth independent of a particular culture or a society. Now, in this particular case, what we have, we're talking about uh, truth uh, concern within the realm of medical science, right? And the claim is that there's an anti-science bias among Americans. Dr. Anthony Fauci was very... Uh, uh, very popular for saying such things in interviews, right? But he shows his hand, uh, Adrian, with regard to what he means specifically. He said they don't just believe science, they don't believe authority. And in an interview, he's talking about, you know, when you have a scientist up there at the White House, which has an air of authority to it, who's talking about science, and people unfortunately reject that science because science is truth. But notice, in his mind, the anti-science bias, and for many others who followed him, was ones who rejected the scientists who have, quote, an air of authority. And whenever you analyze it and you think through it, what you come to discover, Adrian, is that people are not anti-science. They don't have an anti-science bias. It's not actually a bias against science itself, or more specifically, medical science. Rather, it's a lack of obedience to the scientists mm. who hold offices of power 
including Fauci, as well as a lack of obedience to what the scientists say. And so, as you pointed out, many who voiced their opposition to some of the claims that those who have an air of authority, quote-unquote, claim, were appealing to other scientists, saying, hey, you got other legit scientists who are making contrary opposing claims here, right? And so it's not anti-science. If we were anti-science, we would just be putting our head in the sand and saying, oh, anything that's scientific we reject because we only got to go to the Bible or something. That would be anti-science. But when you're appealing to other qualified scientists to make contrary claims, that's not anti-science. Actually, it's it, you're simply mm-hmm. oppo- uh, offering an opposing view. But notice, it's shut down. No persuasion of mine is allowed. And so what is that smack of? That smacks of might makes right. Absolutely. That's you know, that's relative. really interesting to me, Carlo, because, you know, I'm thinking about the there's a quote from from Fulton Sheen. I'm not going to be able to quote it verbatim, but he says that uh, the the reason why the world is against papal infallibility is not because they can't fathom the idea of some man being able to be infallible. They it's because they believe that they are infallible. And I found that to right. be the case because we see this kind of false idea of religion, whereas the Catholic faith, it's very reasonable. There can be disagreement even within uh, the hierarchy. But in this secular religion, there can be no disagreement and they, everything has to be submitted to the, the priesthood of, the, of scientism. And there can be no argument, no use of reason. Everything just has to be submitted. That's very interesting to me. But I want to go over to a topic of something that's more like a classic relativism, because this just yeah. it just bothers me so much. I was in a conversation recently at the friend, and they were presenting an idea that I disagreed with, but they at the end of their presentation, they were like, but you know, that's just my opinion. And I'm just like, right. no, like just uh, cling to your, like, I, even if I disagree, cling to your opinion, state it as fact, let's debate it, and then come to the truth. Because whenever you finish the statement with, that's just my opinion, now you negate anything that I'm going to say in response. And so tell me right. about this classic idea of relativism that we still see today. Yeah, so there's two ways to go with that. One way is sort of an, the use of opinion opinion in the sense that there is no objective truth, so we're just going to have to agree to disagree. And that would be classic relativism, and you would want to uh, utilize the strategies that I explain in one of the sections in the book that refutes good old-fashioned total relativism. So I think in the conversation – now, the other path would be that's just my opinion in the sense that I'm expressing to you that I'm not 100 percent certain about my judgment, that I'm open to being persuaded otherwise, right? Uh, And it all depends on how the individual in the conversation is um, using that word opinion because I can have an opinion – in the sense that this is my judgment about reality. Let me hear about your judgment about reality, and let's see whose opinion, whose belief actually conforms to reality and thus is true, and whose opinion or belief is false. So that would be an okay use of opinion. Uh, So the question to ask, Adrian, in that conversation is, okay, well, wait a minute, buddy. What do you mean by that's just my opinion. Uh, do you mean by that that there is no truth and you're just kind of asserting your own inner system and inner world and reality and I'm going to have something uh, different? 
because there is no reality to conform to, or is that just your intellectual judgment and you're not quite sure about it, 100% certainty? And so some questions need to be asked. What are your reasons for that judgment? Here are the reasons for my judgments that happen to be contrary to yours, and let's continue the conversation. So I think further questioning would be required in order to discern what that individual means by, quote-unquote, opinion, and whether or not the conversation could go forward. Now, in our average day-to-day life, uh, many times people will come up to us and say things like, oh, well, you know, that's just your truth, or, oh, I don't know, I don't think there's any true opinion. It's most commonly comes up with uh, the topic of beauty, but it happens with all sorts of things. And so for your average person who deals with this in a in a normal conversation, not dealing with philosophers, they're dealing with your average yeah. folk, uh, how do you start that conversation? Yeah, if somebody just says, well, that's your truth, again, I would just simply ask them, well, what do you mean by that? You know, do you mean that there is no absolute truth whatsoever? Now, if the person says, yes, that's what I mean by that, there really is no truth, then you can just simply respond to that and say, well... Do you think that's true? Because if you say, yeah, it's true that there is no truth, well, at least there's one absolute truth, namely that statement itself. There is, it's true that there is no truth. The, the very statement itself, there is no truth, that's a claim about reality. And, of course, it also amounts in a contradiction. You might want to expose that to the person and say, well, wait a minute. You just said that you really think it's true that there is no truth. Isn't that a contradiction? How can it, there be true and truth and no truth at the same time. And so just a simple line of questioning like that can get somebody's intellect going there, priming the pump for them to see, reason to be awakened and to see that such statements are incoherent and thus can't be true. Uh, And of course that presupposes the principle of non-contradiction for the philosophers out there, which I uh, defend in my book. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's a, a great conversation. A friend of mine is actually doing his uh, dissertation on the topic of uh, the principle, the first principles of logic, which I think is incredibly interesting. But you know, Beautiful. the here's a thing that we've been uh, kind of discussing back and forth, and uh, people kind of throwing their hat into this kind of opinion about what does it mean to be woke. Uh, the this idea is, I think, I think it is can be summarized in one word, which which is what you're saying, the, the the relativism, this new relativism. And so I defined it as such, and I want to get your thoughts and how you would define it. I define woke as to hold to, with religious fervor, the positions promulgated by the revolutionary media. And so what do you think about that I, that definition, and, and how would you, what would you say? Yeah, well, Adrian, I think you're spot on. I think that's an accurate intellectual judgment, right? I think your mind is conforming to reality there, buddy. I mean, technically, what it's normally used for is to refer to being awakened to those who are oppressed. And initially, that was with regard to in the area of race specifically for any uh, people who were oppressed due to their ethnicity and their race. Uh, Unfortunately, in our modern culture, that term um, or that that good idea, like, yeah, you want to be aware of those who are oppressed and try to help people who are unjustly oppressed to get out of that oppression. But what that has been utilized for now is simply with regard to those who are non-white people and asserting by sheer will they are oppressed without any contrary evidence and that white people are the oppressors inherently so. 
without any contrary evidence being allowed. And so that's the modern spin, which makes it very wicked because it's outright racism against white people. Or it's also been utilized uh, to refer wokeism, to refer to those who are oppressed within the LGBTQ plus community. But rather than there being people who are actually unjustly oppressed, what is what it's seen as the oppression is seen as and equated with anybody who criticizes those lifestyle choices associated with members of that community. So notice how, you know, um, moral criticism, uh, um, criticism of lifestyle choices is now no longer allowed and off the table. And if you do so, just simply making a negative moral evaluation, hey, that lifestyle choice is immoral. That's bad behavior for us as humans. You're automatically labeled as judgmental, hateful, bigoted, intolerant. So you're characterized as a bad person simply for saying those lifestyle choices are immoral. And that is the essence of modern wokeism. And this is a manifestation, as I point out in the book, of moral relativism. It's the wicked child and offspring of moral relativism. Because within the framework of moral relativism, you can't criticize human behavior, whether for the good or the bad. And absolutely. we're now dealing with the wicked offspring of moral relativism. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's incredibly important. And there's so much more to talk about. And uh, we could do a whole show on just each chapter there. But people are going to have to pick up your book. Uh, go ahead and uh, plug that. Where can people get a hold of your book, Carlo Broussard? Shop.catholic.com. Shop.catholic.com. The new relativism unmasking the philosophy of today's woke moralists. God bless you, Mr. Broussard, and have a blessed day. Thank you, and that's going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. When we come back, we're going to talk about beauty plus our fear and trembling game show, which actually today was sponsored by Catholic Answers as well. So giving away Catholic Answers book this week. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Deep within, we struggle. Because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Many committed Christians hold to this axiom. If it's in the Bible, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, here you go. 1 Timothy 2 states the following about women as related to church life. No braiding the hair, no gold jewelry, no pearls. Just learn in silence and do not teach. Does your pastor comply with these biblical instructions? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, an unpleasant fact. Many self-proclaimed Bible-only churches, sadly, will pick and choose what parts of the Bible are implemented in the life of the church. Secondly, Catholic catechism. Be especially attentive to, quote, the content and unity of the whole scripture. And thirdly, a tough comeback. In order to understand the sacred author's intention, we must take into account culture, audience, and the literary genre. So if your Bible-only church does not strictly obey those instructions, then tell me the reason why. Well, we know 
You know, 80% of your church is handled by women. So with those instructions in force, many women will leave your church, maybe even the pastor's wife. Ouch. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave the GRN for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Taylor. I go to the Corpus Christi Catholic Church. You're listening to AM 1430. KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. That we kind of just forget. And I think one of those things is beauty. Beauty is such a good thing. It's such a wonderful thing, such a true thing. And people like to claim, oh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Oh, you know, it's different strokes for different folks and the thing is most people don't actually believe that most people don't actually believe that and how do we know (laughs) well this is actually pretty amusing there was an article out that i saw the other day and i just was chuckling to myself that this was actually really brilliant this article said tim pool shredded for saying liberal women should be complimented by comparing them to lizzo or Dylan Mulvaney. Now, this was really funny to me because this exactly speaks to we know what beauty is. We do, even if we pretend that we don't. So what he said was, hey, you people tell me that Dylan Mulvaney, a man who dresses like a woman, is a very beautiful woman. He is a beautiful woman. And if you say otherwise, then you're a bigot. But if you come out and say, oh, wow, you look beautiful today. You look just like Dylan Mulvaney. They would be offended. Why? Why would they be offended? Or, for instance, people say that being fat is attractive, that there's nothing wrong with being fat, that being fat is healthy and being fat is beautiful. But yet, if you went up to a lady, let's say you were your wife, your girlfriend, So a girl you were courting, let's say you went up to her and you were like, sweetie, you look just like Lizzo. She would be offended. Why is that? Now, they might say, well, they're beautiful for them. It's beautiful in their situation. And beauty is different for me. So they would double down on their relativism. Yet, the truth is, they know that Lizzo and Dylan are not beautiful women. Why? Because beauty has a definition. It has a meaning. So what is beauty? What do we mean when we say beauty? Beauty is being in accord with reality. Beauty is one of the trans, uh, the uh, attributes of being. 
It's one of the attributes of being, meaning the goodness, truth, and beauty. Those are the attributes of being that reflect who God is, what God is. God is truth. He is beauty. He is goodness. In God, they're the same thing. In us, we reflect that. And so nothing could be said, at least according to, uh, to um, Jacques Maritain. There was a, a, I was reading a debate recently. There was really interesting. Um, Alice von Hildebrand was writing about the debate between her husband, Dietrich von Hildebrand, and Jacques Maritain on the topic of beauty. And I was very interested in this. I was very intrigued. I was reading it, and I was like, oh, man, I don't even know Dietrich von Hildebrand's position on beauty. So now i got to do some research on that. But I'm very familiar with Jacques Maritain's position, and it makes sense to me. He says that if one of the attributes of being is beauty, therefore, anything that exists is beautiful insofar as it exists. However... There is degrees of beauty. So something is more or less beautiful, the more it reflects what is good and true. And so, for instance, why do we say that, that fatness would not be beautiful? Well, because it's not according to our nature. Because it is not healthy for us. So can someone be beautiful and fat? And in a sense, yes. But they could be more beautiful if they were healthy. The same thing goes for Dylan. Dylan Mulvaney could be a beautiful, in the, in the sense of the word beauty, a beautiful man, but he cannot be a beautiful woman because it is contrary to his nature. He is a man, therefore he cannot be a beautiful woman. It's contrary to his nature. And so that's why we kind of repulse at the idea of someone went up to you and said, you are such a, you look, you look so beautiful today. You look just like Dylan and Lizzo. They are shocked. And this was exemplified when Tim Pool made this comment. Now, some people would be offended by that, but it's simply true. Now, it just made me think of, I was talking to a friend of mine recently who was saying that their little sister was reading the uh, Dostoevsky. And Dostoevsky, he writes a book called The Idiot. And um, <laughs> the, it's an excellent title of a book. Here he talks, there's a famous quote from The Idiot. It says, beauty will save the world. That's that, where that came from. That comes from Dostoevsky. And his book, The Idiot. The book, I mean. Yep. And he, uh, that book, I mean, it's basically a Don Quixote for Russians. And he says here, there's an article out by our friend uh, Jared Stout, Dr. Jared Stout. He said, how will beauty save the world? The line comes from Dostoevsky's novel, The Idiot, attributed to the main character, Prince Maiskin. The prince, an epileptic Russian nobleman, serves as a Christ-like figure who stands apart for his innocence and even naivete. Out of the mouth of this idiot comes a clearer vision of beauty and reality than those around him. His clarity heightened, even in the midst of his sickness. The saving power of beauty in the prince's life could not overcome his sickness, but nonetheless illumined his vision. What matter, though, it be only disease, an abnormal tinge in the brain, if, when I recall and analyze the moment, it seems to have been one of harmony and of beauty in the highest degree. An instant of deepest sensation, overflowing with unbounded joy and rapture, ecstatic devotion, and completest life. In the midst of his suffering, he glimpsed 
through, though in a paradoxical manner, the heart of reality. It's very interesting to me, this idea, beauty will save the world, because unlike truth and goodness, truth we've kind of rejected. We, we say there is no truth. We say the same thing about beauty, but truth has to be reasoned. You have to think about it. You have to be able to use the faculties of the mind to discern the truth. Goodness is another one. We often live in a way that's not according to goodness. We do bad things, and we want to justify those bad things, and so we reject goodness. But beauty, however, pierces through those things. It strikes us. St. Thomas Aquinas he didn't comment too much about beauty, but one thing he did say is that beauty is that which when seen pleases. Is that which when seen pleases. What is St. Thomas saying about beauty? Beauty strikes us. It pierces through our blindness. It pierces through our deafness. And it echoes the words of St. Augustine, right? When St. Augustine writes... He says there, he goes, uh, that I was looking on the outside, but you were in the inside. He's talking about our Lord, that beauty ever ancient, ever new. And so what do we know here? We know that our Lord desires beauty. He uses beauty to save the world, to strike us. Because it is said, why is bad music so bad for us? Bad music is bad for us. Because it pierces through in a way that we cannot hide from. If you go to the mall, you can't plug your ears and not listen to the music. The music pierces. Whereas you can keep custody of the eyes. You cannot keep custody of the ears. And so a beautiful piece of music strikes us. And we recognize it to be beautiful. Which is why we get desensitized. We get bombarded with such ugliness all the time to try to keep that away from us. But what do we see as the most beautiful? If Dylan Mulvaney is not a beautiful woman, if Lizzo is not a beautiful woman, what is a beautiful woman? Well, we are given the archetype, and that is the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Blessed Virgin Mary, who, as Fulton Sheen said, is the world's first love, a beautiful demonstration of her is given in Dante's in Paradiso. In the Paradiso, he's... Our, our protagonist, Dante, goes up to heaven. And you have to realize throughout the comedy, he is searching after Beatrice, the love of his life. This woman who he believes is the most beautiful of women. The woman he is infatuated with. The woman he sees everywhere he goes and his, all his actions are directed towards. Yet, when he gets to heaven, what happens? What happens when he gets to heaven? It says here, by this is uh, John Soward's The Beauty of Holiness and the Holiness of Beauty. It says, when Dante reaches paradise, he finds the beauty of the Son of God most perfectly mirrored in the Rose Mary in whom he flowered in the flesh. The Virgine Madre is the lovely sapphire whose grace and sapphires the heaven's brightest sphere. The beauty of Beatrice is but a shaft 
of her shining. It says here, I looked above and as the Orient seen, at dawn exceeds the beauty of the West, where the declining sun has lately been, so mountaining as from vale to mountain crest, those eyes beheld at the remotest rim, a radiance surpassing all the rest. A very beautiful, beautiful saying. Why? Because Our Lady, being that model of beauty, being so good and so true, she contained the goodness and truth in a perfect way, but she was also beautiful in a natural way, but containing all aspects, she reflects beauty most perfectly. As having those attributes of being true, have never no lie within her, this is why untruth is so ugly. Whenever we hear people trying to be duplicitous, when people are false, when people lie, it's a very unattractive quality. Why? Because it lacks beauty. When people are immoral, whenever they speak immorally, when they blaspheme, when they curse, when they use foul language, why is that ugly? Because it lacks goodness. Because the more something is good, the more something is true, the more beautiful it becomes. And now there's a saying among feminists, there is a well-behaved women rarely make history, which is false because the most well-known woman in all of human history, more paintings have been drawn of her, more paintings have been painted of her, more songs have been written about her, more love has been given to her, more poems written of her, have been the Blessed Virgin, who is the most well-behaved woman of all history. In fact, one would say she is probably written about more, painted more, second to only our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have this disrespect of women all across the world, this denigrating of women, because we lack an idea of beauty. For beauty will save the world. And this is echoed in Robin Hood. With Chesterton, who loved Robin Hood, the ballad of Robin Hood, here Robin Hood is, it says of him, a good manner then had Robin, in land where that he were. Every day ere he would dine, three masses would he hear. The one is the worship of the Father, and another of the Holy Ghost. The third of our dear lady, that he loved all the most. Robin loved our dear lady. For fear of deadly sin, would he never do company harm that any woman was in. Now notice, because of his love of the Blessed Virgin, Because he recognized the beauty of Our Lady and loved her so much, he saw every woman as a type of the Blessed Virgin, as someone who reflected the beauty of the Blessed Virgin. And that is the answer to our problems. Beauty will save the world. Our Lady will save the world. And speaking of which, saving the world... If you call now, 877-757-9424, you can play our game, Fear and Trembling. And I can't promise it'll help save the world, but certainly it'll win you a prize. (laughs) 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show. 877-757-9424. 
I wanted to look more into some of the questions. What about purgatory? What about Mary? What about the saints? I, of course, came across Catholic answers. I was like, well, how can I listen to them? Like, I know they're online, but I mean, that's kind of annoying. Like, I want to just get in my car and listen to them. Like, oh, there's Catholic radio. And I wanted to learn more. I was like, I can't be in like a catechism class every hour of the day. Like, be in the car, have it on radio, listen to things, and start learning more about the faith. It worked, and I'm Catholic now. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. How much havoc would be caused at your church if your pastor brought a big statue of St. Peter or St. Paul and placed them in the sanctuary? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history's on the side of the Catholic Church. Christian art in many forms dates way back to about 120 A.D. And so do those various Christian symbols which we still see today. You know, a dove, a fish, a lamb. Why are those okay? Secondly, the Bible... Exodus, Numbers, and Ezekiel. All these books show God telling Moses, David, or Ezekiel to carve out images of angels that were used in worship. And and thirdly, a tough comeback, especially for my guy friends. Does Cooperstown, Canton, or Cleveland mean anything to you? Yep, the Hall of Fame locations filled with statues, jerseys, bats, and balls. Memorabilia is a $37 billion industry, but you say, don't bring a statue into my church. Well, how many of you guys have admired one of those bronze statues of an athlete? I'd rather stare at St. Peter's, Paul, and Mary in my church, and I'm not talking about the old folk band. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. How do you win, you may ask? What are we calling in for? What's going on? Why am I in this handbasket? This is the answer to those questions. We're playing the Catholic Trivia Game Show, Fear and Trembling, where I have three Catholic trivia questions. And the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, I'm going to ask Tito the questions. And it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. That means that even if you know nothing about the answers to these questions, even if you have no clue how to answer the questions, you can still win. There's a 50-50 chance of you getting the answer correct just by guessing alone. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. This week's prize is from Catholic Answers Press. They are donating generously a book, Behold Your Mother by Tim Staples, an excellent book by published by Catholic Answers. So if you would like a chance to win that book, the book goes through and gives a defense from Scripture and history of the Blessed Virgin Mary's dogmas, the four Marian dogmas. 
And I think he actually throws in the fifth Marian dogma as well as a kind of a bonus question. And it's a very interesting, it's been a while since I've read it. I read this back when I was in high school and I love that book. I actually used it for making a video. I made a video in defense of the Marian dogmas and use his book as the principal uh, book for my uh, research. So excellent book. Uh, the Behold Your Mother, Tim Staples. So thank you very much to Catholic Answers Press for generously sponsoring the game show this week. And so let's, I'm looking over, and yes, we have some callers on the line. So if you do not get on today, the trick is to make sure that you call back in tomorrow and you put us on your speed dial so that way you can be our first caller because we always take our first caller. That it, number to call, 877 757 Nine four two four eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. So write that number down, put it in your speed dial. So that way you can be our contestant tomorrow morning. And if you're like, hey, Adrian, I'm driving. It's hard for me to get that on. Well, you can go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. There, everything is listed so you can find all the information you're looking for right there. But joining us right now is Jill. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, I, first of all, I would like to say hats off. You've given a very beautiful talk about truth and beauty this morning. Oh, Wonderful. well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And uh, where are you calling from this morning? I'm calling from Germantown uh, by the parking lot of Our Lady of Visitation Church. Amen. I'm waiting for the history mass. <laughs> ah, praise be to God. Praise be to God. Pray for us while you're there. We'd very much appreciate oh, it. Oh, yes. And may I just chime in, okay? Truth, good, beauty gives life. And that is what we're after here. Amen. It, gives, it all emanates from this life given to us. On Pentecost, we're going to have the fullness of life. Amen. Praise be to God. Yes. We love to hear it. And uh, let me know, did I pronounce your name correctly? Is it Jill? Yes, it's Hill, as Hill. in uh, healing power. Yes. <laughs> okay, there you go. There you go. Praise be to God. Are you familiar with how the game works? Do you know how to play the game? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm okay, not. well, don't you worry. It's really simple. I have three Catholic trivia questions here. And the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. I'm going to ask Tito the questions. He's going to give you an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he's right or whether or not he is wrong. And so it's a 50-50 chance. Even if you don't know the answers at all, there's a 50-50 chance of you getting it right. So are you ready to play? Yes, thank you so much. Absolutely. Let's jump into it. Question number one, Tito. Yes. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> Glad doing, to be back. Doing the game show without you is a little tricky, but <laughs> it's good to be back. All right. The question is, what is the church's dedication for the month of June? Uh, we, we really do need that dedication, and uh, sometimes I get it confused because I have a certain uh, prayer pattern that I have, and so I, I get these two confused, but I, I'm almost certain it's the most precious blood of Jesus. Oh, interesting. Yes. You're saying it's not pride, though? No, definitely okay. not perversion. Okay, Martha. okay. Nope. All right. All right, Hill, the question yeah. on the board is what is the church's dedication for the month of june 15 seconds on the clock tito seems to think that the answer is it's we celebrate the most precious blood of jesus what say you hill is it the most precious blood of jesus or is it something else what say uh, you i've always known that the precious blood of jesus 
happened in July. So, so you're yes, saying he's I, wrong. Well, yeah, but the precious blood of Jesus is every month, actually. <laughs> yes, really, we, we celebrate the, the Holy Spirit. I was trained at the Jesuit school, so the second heart of Jesus is very important. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Well, he said it's a July is the precious blood of Jesus. That is correct. The month is the Sacred Heart. So the June, we celebrate the most sacred heart of Jesus. That is the dedication yep. for the month of June. So you could not get tricked. You were far too educated. I guess I guess the Jesuits aren't all bad if they can get, get you getting these answers right, right? So let's jump yeah. in to question number two. Are you ready to play the, the, the game for question number two, Hill? Yes, sir. Yes, let's sir. do it. Let's do it. Question numero dos. Name at least... Now notice, at least two of the first seven stations of the cross. Oh, oh my! Uh, <laughs> at least two. Well, Jesus falls the first time, and Jesus falls a second time. <laughs> so well, that, that, I'm, a, I'm standing on those two. <laughs> that's a uh, that's a pretty pretty good uh, pretty good guess yeah. over there. I mean. I, yeah. th- these questions, it's all easy question Tuesday. What's up with that? Yeah. All righty, Hill. 15 seconds on the clock. Name at least two of the first seven stations. Tito says Jesus falls the first time. Jesus falls the second time. That's two. Uh, what say you, Hill? I think that's a giveaway question. I, I would agree with you. <laughs> He's going to agree with you. Way to go. That is, in fact, Good a job. giveaway. Wow. That's a giveaway question. Man, that's an easy question. People <laughs> are, are like, man, I should have called in today. This is all easy question Tuesday. And well, I think um, I'm looking at question number three, Hill, and you're going to get this one right, too. This is also easy question. Man, all oh, easy Yeah, question. that's unusual. All right. Uh, are you ready for question number three? I, I'm... I'm not even need to ask you to be honest. You're you're ready for question number three. I should just ask you the question. Yeah. You might get the answer right. Um, but don't you worry. We're gonna jump into it nonetheless. And let's jump into it. Question number three. Tito. Yeah. Here's the question. Which Catholic minister wears a stole? It's definitely not the acolytes. Uh priests, bishops. And deacons. Oh, you're saying all three of them do? All three of them do, yeah. Oh, maybe this question is trickier than I thought. Yeah, Uh, especially if you serve. Yeah. (laughs) Got to keep track of all the liturgical dresses. Yeah. That's fun time. All the vestments. All the vestments. All righty, Hill. The question on the board, which Catholic minister wears a stole? Tito says that all three of the... Uh, major orders, deacons, priests, bishops, all wear a stole. What say you, Hill? 15 seconds on the clock. I think I would agree with that because I have a very close friend to our deacons, and one is going to be ordained this June 3 at hey. the Immaculate Conception Basilica. Praise be to very God. Very good friend of mine, yes. We love to hear it. Well, he says it's true, and that is correct. Hill, now, that is incredible. Now you can tell your your buddy, hey, oh, I knew. I hey, pay attention. Friend. I pay attention. There you go. You are incredible. I really love your 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 talk this morning about beauty, truth, and goodness. And I was just saying, this gives life. Amen. Oh my God. Yes, I'm animated this morning to hear Dale. Well, thank you very much. Thank yeah. you very much. We love to hear it. I appreciate 
the your love uh, for the faith, your joy. No, thank you, thank you. Well, Hill, you uh, you got all three right. You're in the coffee cup of divine providence three times to win this week's prize. Three we, times. You're gonna have to tune back in on Friday to see whether or not we draw your yes. name. And the book we're giving away is a "Behold Your oh. Mother" from uh, Catholic Answers. So that's an excellent book about the Blessed Virgin. And so make yeah. sure that you're tuned in on Friday to hear that. But God love right. you. God bless you. Stay on hold. We're going to be able to get your contact information so we can call you should we draw your name on Friday. But uh, God bless you and have a blessed day. And pray for us at Holy Mass. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for what you're doing. We need you. We need you, my brothers. Thank you. Amen. Bye-bye. Well, thank you very much. Stay on hold. We'll be back. And that's going to do it for the radio side. Uh, we appreciate it. Oh, Hill, you just dropped off. You uh, hopped off. You need to stay. Call back if you can. Uh, we need to get your contact information. And so if you're still listening, Hill, uh, call back in 877-757-9424. We need to uh, get your contact information. So if we draw your name on Friday, that we were able to get you the prize. And if we draw your name on Friday, we'll try to our best to get a hold of you. And if uh, if if we don't, then I guess we'll draw a second name, and that prize will go to whoever whoever gets that. Then, but uh, we're gonna try to get a hold of you. So get get a hold of us. You can find our contact grnonline.com forward slash cdt. There, our emails listed. You can join our email list there. You get our phone number for the show. All those things, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But that's going to do it for the radio side. We're going to hop on to the after show where we let our hair down a little bit. Some of us have more hair than others. And we're going to be <laughs> able to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. And it, well, that's Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, YouTube. Just look up Catholic Drive Time and you should find us on any of those platforms. And we would love to interact with you directly. If not, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. God love you. And remember, Christ is risen. Alleluia. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia. God bless you. And we'll see you in just one moment. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Seventh week of Easter. This morning's Mass is being offered for all of the listeners on Guadalupe Radio Media and for all those joining us online. Sing with all the saints in glory, sing the resurrection song. Death and sorrow, earth's dark story, to the former days belong. 
All around the clouds are breaking, soon the storms of time shall cease. In God's likeness man awakens, knowing everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, almighty and merciful God, that the Holy Spirit, coming near and dwelling graciously within us, may make of us a perfect temple of his glory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. From Miletus, Paul had the presbyters of the church at Ephesus summoned. When they came to him, he addressed them. You know how I lived among you the whole time from the day I first came to the province of Asia. I served the Lord with all humility and with the tears and trials that came to me because of the plot of the Jews, and I did not at all shrink from telling you what was for your benefit or from teaching you in public or in your homes. I earnestly bore witness for both Jews and Greeks to represent before God and to faith in our Lord Jesus. But now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. What will happen to me there I do not know, except that in one city after another the Holy Spirit has been warning me that imprisonment and hardship awaits me. Yes, I consider life of no importance to me, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to bear witness to the gospel of God's grace. But now I know that none of you to whom I preach the kingdom during my travels will ever see my face again. And so I solemnly declare to you this day that I am not responsible for the blood of any of you, for I did not shrink from proclaiming to you the entire plan of God. The word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm. Sing to God, O kingdoms of the earth. 
Sing to God, O kingdoms of the earth. A bountiful rain you shower down, O God, upon your inheritance. You restored the land when it languished, and it languished. Your flock settled in it. In your goodness, O God, you provided it for the needy. Sing, Sing to, to God, God, O kingdoms of the earth. Blessed day by day by the Lord, who bears our burdens, God who is our salvation. God is a saving God for us. The Lord, my Lord, controls the pathways of death. Sing, Sing to, to God, God, O kingdoms of the earth. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Give glory to your Son, so that your Son may glorify you, just as you gave him authority over all people, so that your Son may give eternal life to all you gave him. Now this is eternal life, that they should know you, the, one, the only true God, and the one whom you sent, Jesus Christ. I glorified you on earth by accomplishing the work that you gave me to do. Now glorify me, Father, with you, with the glory that I had with you before the world began. I revealed your name to those whom you gave me out of the world. They belong to you, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you gave me is from you, because the words you gave to me I have given to them. And they accepted them and truly understood that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for the ones you have given me, because they are yours, and everything of mine is yours, and everything of yours is mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I will no longer be in the world, but they are in the world while I am coming to you. The Gospel of the Lord. The New Testament in general, there are two different words which are used for time in the original inspired text of the Greek language. The one word is the word chronos, where we get the word chronology, and that is referring to the typical hours of the day, days of the week, weeks of the year that we are all very accustomed to. The other word which is used sometimes for time is the word kairos. And kairos is a special word that is referring to the appointed time or the opportune moment when God is going to be acting in a decisive way in history. It's really a moment of grace when God's presence is going to act in a very particular and concrete way. 
This is the way we are to understand today's gospel when it speaks of the hour of Jesus to be glorified. Speaking of God's appointed time, the time has come when God is going to fully manifest who he is and what he is doing for us. And it's a reference, of course, to what happens in the Paschal mystery of Jesus. In his passion, death, and resurrection, a number of things take place. In the first place, we see the full manifestation of God's love for us. We see the extent that God loves us so much that he became one of us in order to die on a cross to manifest how deep his love for us is in order to reconcile us into communion with the Most Holy Trinity. This is the other appointed part of the hour of Jesus is that he in his mission of reconciliation reopens up to us the pathway of relationship with God and fully restores us into communion with him. When Jesus says everything that he has with the Father he gives to us, we can say Jesus' mission really is to open up the goodness of his relationship with his Father and the Holy Spirit to us. In other words, he opens up the pathway for us to become members of the family of God, for us to be able to become sharers and participators in the divine life. All of this is what God does for us in the hour, what he does in his appointed time. So when we look at our own life, we can also say, do we keep time in Kronos or in Kairos? Kronos, again, is, hey, the days keep on cycling by and the hours pass by and we're in the same kind of routine of life and things kind of happen and we go through life. But Kairos is to say, do we really see this is an appointed time where God is asking something of me? Maybe he's giving me a grace of conversion to drop away from a sinful habit. Maybe he's opening a door for me to commit myself more in discipleship. Kairos is to be alert and to say, God is acting in our life and he's opening doors for us to be able to walk through to enter into the fullness of relationship with the Most Holy Trinity. Every Mass that we celebrate really is an example of Kairos because at the Mass we celebrate the one saving sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross which is represented sacramentally here on the altar. There's one sacrifice that took place 2,000 years ago but sacramentally it is represented such that its effects are felt anew to us even today in this Mass. It's an appointed time to be able to encounter God. Think back in my own life when I was in my second year of doing my Master's of Engineering and thinking of what I was going to do with my life next. It's kind of in a, well, I believed in God, I believed in the Catholic Church. I wanted to be a disciple, but I knew I wasn't as good a disciple as I should be. And I had an opportunity, an invitation to go and work at a Catholic mission in Belize, Central America kind of had a sense that this was a moment of kairos. This was an opportune time when God was inviting me to be able to go deeper into discipleship with him. And I recognized it as such and thankfully by the grace of God was able to make the decision to walk through the open door which he gave me. But I think in all of our lives we have these moments of kairos where it is the opportune time where God is leading us to go deeper where he's leading us to renounce sin, where he's leading us to convert, where he's leading us even more into the fullness of relationship of the Most Holy Trinity, 
which is the primary mission of reconciliation that Jesus Christ opens for us in the glorification of his hour. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us ask God for the grace that we would always be open to his grace in the moment, to be able to see the opportune moments when God is working in our life to lead us more deeply in a relationship with him. And let us ask for the grace that we would always respond to his goodness, and in particular in this moment as we are about to celebrate the Eucharistic prayer and to receive Jesus. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, filled with paschal joy, let us pray more earnestly to God that he who graciously listened to the prayers and supplications of his beloved Son may now be pleased to look upon us in our lowliness. For the shepherds of our souls, that they may have the strength to govern wisely the flock entrusted to them by the Good Shepherd, let us pray to the Lord. For the whole world, that it may truly know the peace given by Christ, let us pray to the Lord. For our brothers and sisters who suffer, that their sorrow may be turned to gladness which no one can take from them, let us pray to the Lord. For our own community, for those joining us online and through radio, that we may bear witness with great confidence to the resurrection of Christ, let us pray to the Lord. For those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. O God, who know that our life in this present age is subject to suffering and need, hear the desires of those who cry to you and receive the prayers of those who believe in you through Christ our Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, give thanks to the risen Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, give praise to his name. Jesus is Lord o'er all the earth. He is the King of creation. Alleluia, alleluia, give thanks to the risen Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, give praise to his name. Spread the good news o'er all the earth. Jesus has died and has risen. Alleluia, alleluia, give thanks to the risen Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, give praise to his name. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Accept, O Lord, the prayers of your faithful with the sacrificial offerings, that through these acts of devotedness we may pass over to the glory of heaven through Christ our Lord. 
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For after his resurrection, he plainly appeared to all his disciples and was taken up to heaven in their sight that he might make us sharers in his divinity. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, Every land, every people exalts in your praise. And even the heavenly powers with the angelic host sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, plenis uncele et terra, gloria tua, hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world. For by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. 
Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, the Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, 
I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. That Easter day with joy was bright, the sun shone out with fairer light, when to their longing eyes restored, the apostles saw their risen Lord. His risen flesh with radiance glowed, His wounded hands and feet He showed, Those scars their solemn witness gave, That Christ was risen from the grave. O Jesus, King of gentleness, who with your grace our hearts possess, that we may give you all our days the willing tribute of our praise. O Lord of all with us abide in this our joyful Easter tide. From every weapon death can wield, your own redeemed forever shield. Let us pray. We have partaken of the gifts of this sacred mystery, humbly imploring, O Lord, that what your Son commanded us to do in memory of him may bring us growth in charity through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Go make of all disciples, we hear the call, O Lord, that comes from you, our Father, in your eternal word. Inspire our ways of learning through earnest, fervent prayer. And let our daily living reveal you everywhere. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. 
And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Jose from Our Lady of Guadalupe.